Two, yeah. I want to make sure I get a really good graphics card. Um, like oh, yeah. I, like I don't know if I should get the 980 right now or wait until next year's graphics cards and see. Wait for CV1, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess it makes sense to wait. What would you do? Uh, I think the wait makes sense, albeit a tough wait. You know. Yeah, it will be. Because um, I don't know when when if the graphics card is going to parallel the release of cv1 as much because right yeah they could have something up their sleeve you know what i mean like a little uh product package deal or mm -hmm. you know i don't know it'd be nice though that would be nice a, pro a, 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 a full bundle you know just everything in the box ready to go not having yeah yeah amd could just turn around and say hey you know guess what bundle time buy your rift and get a uh whatever it is what kind of gpu are you running by the way i got the 780 ti how is it Oh, it's it's awesome. It's, it's mm. yeah, it's awesome. Are you doing Are you doing development by any chance? I am. I am. Enlighten me. What kind of development is this? Uh, well, I'm working on. Uh, I like native code. I like uh, I like shaders. I like shader toy. So, have you ever seen uh, Rift Ray? Yeah. No, I did. I haven't. Okay, Rift Ray is uh, a shader toy adaptation for uh, for Rift. So, all those beautiful. Uh, Oh God, they're gorgeous! Beautiful pieces of art of of real time rendering that these awesome developers, I mean, best in the world, put up on that site. Mm -hmm. Some of them that are in three D, I can kind of uh, I do it like a tiny little bit of hackery, and then patch in the Rift's position and render it twice for stereo, and it's like you're standing in it. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Are there are there samples online that people can try out? Oh yeah, yeah. This is all it's all free. Oh yeah, it's on GitHub. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's releases and everything. Do you do you have a demo of something out there like Oculus Share or on the? Uh, I didn't put it on Share. Okay. Uh, there's a video. Uh, gives you maybe like a little taste. It it kind of demands a beefy machine, you know. Mm. So, yeah. sorry about that. No, but, no, it's all uh, good. Could be yeah, but it won't be the last. There are other things uh, in the you know I'm working on. I what? tend to like to target the really beefy GPUs. <laughs> The yeah. stuff that looks good, I don't blame you for sure. Yeah, yeah, like max power, right? Hell yeah, uh, yeah. Why, why compromise when you can uh, get the full experience? That's but, what I'm talking about. But listen, I hit record a minute ago. I uh, hope you okay. don't mind. Um, yeah, not at all. So we, you know, for those who are listening, um, this is the Interview Art Podcast, and today I'm speaking with Jim. Um, Jim, can I use your last name or just Jim? Uh. I, I don't mind, but okay. Jim will suffice. Okay, Jim from the Reddit, uh, Jimbo zero zero one one something. Um, oh, 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 yeah, Jimbo. <laughs> cool. Um, and you're also an enthusiast. A, 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 I see you're doing a bit of development. And um, thank you for coming on the show, man. I'm excited. 
Uh, my pleasure. It's uh, it's a thrill to talk to you. I'm, I'm flattered you'd have me on. Yeah, you know how I will so so for the people listening, the, the how we sort of ran into each other was yeah through Reddit. I um I I was posting about this book that I just read or I read a little while ago called The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, and 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 Jim commented on there with this amazing graph database visualization of all these VR fiction. Um, I want to use the word yummy <laughs> reads, <laughs> but I don't know if that's a tasty, yeah. tasty, tasty uh, VR fiction reads. Um, and that was awesome. And it, and you, and you made that? Did, was that you who made that? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I put dude. It together with D three. Okay, so so D three is is a graph nat- database sort of. Uh, it's uh, it's for the web. It's a I guess you'd call it a library toolkit. Okay. So this uh, force directed graph is just one of the many uh, different types of charts mm-hmm. that you can make with D three. I thought it was uh, kind of a good fit because I wanted to link uh, some link these stories together by any kind of similarity that they might have. Yeah. So since this pod this podcast, if you're listening right now and 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 you want to listen to a podcast that is focused and is straight to the point and is getting to the nitty-gritty technical specs of virtual reality, um, you, you better turn around because we're about to go into some wild tangents here. Um, right, this is the fantasy podcast. This is going to be, this is where I unleash my creative kraken and, oh, nice. uh, and, and, and Jim, I hope, uh, I hope you brought yours because <laughs> I'm ready. It's, all right, me too, um, because I have a whole list of topics and uh, things that I like to talk to you about, but before we get there, uh, we, so you have this really cool database graph uh, of of VR fiction novels and books and things like that. Uh, did, uh, how many? Books. How many have you read? How many have you of all? I think oh. I'm up about at a hundred. Have you? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Holy crap! Holy crap! There's, there's dude. more out there too. I don't. I'm by no means finished here. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on, my friend. Hold on. You, you're you making me... Wow, I am ashamed of myself, but good on you. Holy fuck, dude. You've read VR, 100 VR fiction uh, like books and yeah. novels by and now. Some, some of them are kind of short uh, stories, you know, like on, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, there are some, some short stories up there. Wow. There are 65, I think, in the graph right now. Wow. And Some didn't make the cut. And you've read all of those? Mm-hmm. And have you read The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Very okay. good. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But let me let me admire you. Hold on. <laughs> that was amazing. That's amazing, dude. You're a true believer. Why, why is this topic so interesting to you? Oh, I mean, it's obviously awesome, right? Yeah. Everybody listening to this, you know, is on that page, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you personally, though, like, what is it that you know? What is the tickle that? What is the pickle that gets tickled when you read virtual reality fiction? Mm, the uh, futurology. Uh, yeah, it's it's just that getting that taste, maybe, of a possible future, at least. Mm-hmm. Trying to uh, you know see these things as they're just in their barely nascent stage before they happen. You know, mm-hmm. it, what is it that uh, uh, attracts you about the future itself? Oh boy, that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I just feel excited uh, when I work with tech. Mm-hmm. It just feels good. 
I don't know what else to go. That's a, that's the yeah, that's a really solid answer. <laughs> wow, that's awesome, man. Oh, wow. What did you want to be when you when you asked yourself when you or okay, let's let's start what what was your first kiss in terms of VR fiction reading? What was the first novel that got you hooked into you know I think it had to be Neuromancer. I read it maybe around 99. Okay. What is what what about it that attracted you? What's so good about it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, kind of looking back, I, I don't really remember it uh, so well. I remember being confused at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then there were there were a couple sequels, and I read those, and I I remember then tearing through the whole uh, the whole Gibson body of work. Yeah. And uh, I really couldn't tell you too much about. I, I like I remember the odd scene here and there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had this. I remember the feeling of ennui, this sort of general vague unrest. Hmm. It had a very kind of a dirty feel to it, gritty. You know what I mean? A dirty future of like, mm-hmm. you know, put cobbling together computers from like uh, discarded garbage, and like there was uh, in the sprawl, there was this bridge that was condemned, and like, all kinds of people lived there, and you know, ran wires around it, and and just you know made do with. The detritus of uh, this futuristic world. You you look back and you know look looking back at the some of the stuff that earlier stuff that you read nineteen ninety nine and 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 around that time has any you know it's been fifteen sixteen years now has yeah. any of that stuff come you know have has any of that stuff manifested itself in some way or form or or is manifesting itself in some way or form in our present time. I guess so. I mean, these headsets, this is a big piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rise of GPUs, nobody really saw that one coming. But uh, that is a, a huge piece. Yeah. Uh, cell phones and wireless ubiquitous connectivity. Uh, I'm not sure if any of the 90s generation really saw that coming. Yeah. But uh, from the, in the next decade of sci-fi, like around Rainbow's End and, and that sort of uh, era, definitely... Uh, puts this at the forefront of what, a, what the world will look like. Wow. So I'm going to come clean here because, okay. because I am compared to you. I am a complete poser. I, I've read, I've read uh, ready player one, uh, a little bit of snow crash. Um, and uh, metamorphosis of prime intellect. I'm missing one. I can't remember the other one. Um, but compared to you, holy crap. Please have my podcast. Please, you can host <laughs> this. Is just, this is just a thing to do for fun. Yeah, you know, it's you amazing. Have, you have now all of these. These are all brand new. You get to experience them for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I mean, books are such a good way to explore the minds of uh, someone else, and and especially people who are like. Uh, you because because then you get to judge or see oh may they had this right or they have they didn't have this right or you know or, you know there's there's things uh yeah it's so interesting but uh, and what's more is they are probably the cheapest way to get this kind of idea across the cheapest prototype you can make I mean it's just pencil and paper that's all you need yeah and you can paint this this detailed picture of a possible future world. You don't have to build any prototypes, you know, yeah. no hardware, just pure thought. 
Yeah, definitely. What are you doing for the future? Are you do you have any goals in in mind in terms of your relationship to what's happening right now in the VR community slash industry? Um, I'm pretty happy with it as is. Nice. I, mean, I got my I got my DK two. I'm I'm golden. You know those SDKs they work for me. Direct mode's great. I'm good to go. I like your style, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you have any experiences that you, like, top three right now that you've been spending the most time in, for example? Experiences. That's interesting. I was kind of thinking that this, I had a quibble with this term. Mm. And experience is a thing that happens one time. Mm. So, you know, you, you run the program and you have an experience. Mm. You can then run the same program again and have another experience a different experience. It's kind of impossible to have the same experience twice, I think, because you have that memory, right? And that's sort of part of it. So are we having a, is this a, 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 a loophole in our lingo or a, a, a plot hole in our link in, in our, in our language that we're, that we can't figure out what to call virtual reality. Oh, we figured it out. This is just my personal quibble. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> But what are your favorites? Oh, favorite uh, VR programs? Yes. <laughs> you know, I uh, wow, I haven't. Uh, I remember really liking the Rift Coaster. I mean, early DK one. You know, mm. I don't really uh, download a lot of stuff and try it out. Uh, I'm more, you know, just doing my own thing. Cool. Well, it works for me. Um, so, all right. So, I want to talk to you about the metamorphosis of prime intellect. Um, and if you're listening to this right now, you should pause and go go read that book because it's, it's free. free. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, spoiler alert. Uh, go away. Go hide your hide your kids. Hide your but we should probably get that out of the way now. The spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like going to be just laden with spoilers. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so thankfully, Chris, you're you're usually pretty diligent with your show notes. <laughs> yes. I think we can help people out there and so say you know which which sections to avoid. Yep. yep. So you can skip them. Definitely. Uh, so it, it shall be done. Um, okay. But uh, Metamorphosis of the Prime Intellect. What did you think of this of this novel book? What do you call it? Novel or book? Oh uh, well, I suppose you'd have to say well, it's a story for sure. Yeah. I guess I go novel. If you were to print it into onto a paper and bind it, then it'd be a book. But uh, I don't know if anybody's done that. I had a printed copy, so... Oh, you did? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay, then book will, will do. Cool. <laughs> so what did you think? Oh, I liked it a lot. Uh, the Death Jockeys, kind of an interesting uh, interesting concept. Mm -hmm. uh, I like I like that choice of character. And uh, I think the, the, the kernel of, of excellent... Jim, I'm losing you. I'm losing your connection. Oh no! Okay, I, I think. Am I back? Yes, you're back. The, it, give it a loud noise. We left that a uh, kernel. The kernel. Kernel. Yeah, the kernel of of excellence in this story was that uh, it's a pretty short scene, but the rise of of prime intellect, describing how that it was a computer at first, yeah. and how it uh, and how, what happened. There was like an FTL. Uh, there was like a faster than light. Um, conceit somehow in the story that allowed it to to transfer information or was some kind of quantum uh, mechanics thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it, it so it achieved sentience in this instant and then uh you know took control over 
the world's computing infrastructure, as I recall, and then kind of grew itself mm-hmm. and grew. And it's like that, those, the few paragraphs describing that, that's kind of the, that kind of encapsulates the rush that I get from the, the futurology fiction. Yeah, I had, a, if I, if you don't mind me interrupting here, but I had, oh. that's exactly where I got my, my rush on that part of the book where like, holy shit, it's happening. Like the, those, right. those pages where, where prime intellect is becoming, you know, a God more or less. It's, it's, it's just, you know, you, and especially there's a, there's the way the author plays with Asimov's three laws of robotic robotics is really smart. You know, he, he actually, we, I've had discussions and, 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 and conversations with friends about how, how intelligently designed is the story, uh, around, you know, you know, what are the three laws of robotic? I, I need to look them up really quick. Um, it's, uh, uh, may not injure a human being. Right. Or through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. That's a sticky clause right yeah, there. Yeah. Must obey orders given by human beings, except where such orders conflict with the first. And the third law is must protect its own existence, as long as that does not conflict with the first two. It's, uh, thank you for finding that for me. And, and it's amazing. It's, it's just amazing how the author is able to play with these laws, especially in the, in the beginning of, of Prime Intellect's, um, arrival or, or so to speak. And then the scenes where, you know, there's, they're talking, Prime Intellect is talking to the priest. Um, and, and you just, I don't know. And in my mind, I just was like, I was thinking to myself, like, wow, this could really happen in the future. Like, <laughs> you know, like theological people will have, you know, will 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 run around in circles trying to wrap their heads around what's happening, and you know, in this thing, we'll just we'll just continue forward. It'll be so insane. And and then the the, the craziest part was when Prime Intellect was like, "All right, I've disabled all of the planet's nuclear weapons," like <laughs> because the president was going to drop a nuclear bomb on Silicon Valley. Like, that was... It was... I don't know. I'm... I'm Did they uh, mention the Zeroth Law, by the way? Uh, no. I, I don't think I re- can recall that. Can you enlighten okay. me? Uh, a footnote to the Laws of Robotics. Uh, Asimov added the Zeroth Law, taking precedence over the first... Uh, or the other three, that the robot must not harm humanity. Mm-hmm. Because I think iRobot kind of gets into this, that uh, there's an interpretation of those three laws that... That, that states that, you know, if you kill everybody, then, you know, that's like the best solution. <laughs> so it's like, well, okay, we got to add, uh, we got to make sure we cover that eventuality. Yeah. What do you think of this scenario of, of uh, that, that this author presents in terms of the rise of artificial intelligence? You know, my, my friend James Baja said that this is the best case scenario for artificial intelligence. The could, best case? Yeah, that could ever happen. Oh, okay. I, then I have a link for you. Uh, link directly from Metamorphs of Prime Intellect on my graph here. Okay. We have Friendship is Optimal. Okay, let me This look. is by uh, someone named Iceman. It's another free online story, so you can read it right now. I love that. And uh, this one uh, has a uh, superhuman, godlike AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, they this, this AI creates... Uh, you know, a, a simulated world of ponies. It's it's My Little Pony fan fiction. <laughs> I didn't know, I had no idea where you were going to take me, and I, I'm glad you took me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in a final, uh, 
I guess the final act of humanity, you could say, is this is the programmer who designs the AI. The last uh, bit of influence that they have over this, you know, now godlike being is uh, she she adds uh, logic to the program that states that uh, the AI's utility function, which is what it wants to do, is to maximize human happiness. Mm-hmm. So that is the, the the directive as this intelligence achieves uh, godhood. Let me ask you this. Having read all of this science fiction, uh, VR science fiction material, you know, what are your... Are you more optimistic or pessimistic about the prospect of having artificial intelligence? And not just... Not just narrow AI, I'm talking about like strong AI up to super intelligence even. Mm. It's the kind of thing that I think about uh, as being, so so there was a comment that I read on HN about it. Someone said, uh, we'll never have it. But then again, we've like kind of always had it, you know, because they'll say like, oh, you know, we don't have real AI now when uh, when computers could do like uh, face and speech recognition, then we'll have it. And then so, you know, maybe that'll be developed and they'll say, oh, okay, well, no, it's not really the same, you know, because they can't, uh, you know, drive a car or uh, or act as a psychologist. And then, you know, someone built that and they'll be like, oh, well, yeah, it's not like really AI. It's just this one specified domain specific. It's just a hack, you know, it's just a, like the Turing test, you know, the Turing test, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they passed it. It's a, they, they made a, a bot that passed it. Mm-hmm. It just it kind of spewed like gibberish lol speak into the terminal, and you know enough people on the other end said, oh, "Yeah, it's probably a real guy." <laughs> but you, we're, you know, you, you and I probably wouldn't find that all so impressive. You know, we're not. It's it's not a sci-fi, you know, superhuman AI taking over the world. Mm-hmm. Just like a little curiosity. Mm-hmm. So, do you think there will be? So the question is. You know, what is the threshold then? What does what does artificial intelligence have to prove um, to you, for example, so that you can say, you know, without a question, this is bigger than me. This is more intelligent than, than me. What 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 sorts of what sort of line does it have to cross? Uh, well, in terms of more intelligent, I would say that my computer is already uh, far superior at doing floating point math than I am. <laughs> asked me a long time ago. You had me there. I, yeah. I was never really any good at that. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe self-awareness. Mm-hmm. This touches on uh, a much bigger question, of course. What is it? Which is, how do I prove that I'm an intelligence to you and you to me? Ooh. How do we prove that? Well, we're kind of in the process of it right now. What are we doing? We're talking to one another. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, we're responding to each utterance, each uh, each sentence. You know, in turn, reciprocating that and then uh, exchanging ideas. That's what it's all about, you know. And would you be able to tell whether I were a machine or not? I mean, if I were, I'm not. By the way, I'm totally 100% natural, baby. Uh, but. <laughs> But if but if but if you if I if you were having a conversation um, with with me just now, but but you know would but I but I'm a, I'm a robot. Like would that would this conversation prove to you that holy crap, this thing is emotionally intelligent up to the point of being good enough? 
Yeah, thing. Wouldn't you kind of object to the term thing in that statement? Uh, well, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, because then it's not a yeah. Ah, you had me. Oh, I like where you're taking me. Uh, it is not a thing, or is it? Once something becomes self-aware, is it a thing or not? I think uh, maybe that is one, if not maybe the biggest criterion, that uh, I guess it's no longer a thing. It is a who, right? Mm -hmm. And then what is self-awareness then? What is it? Ooh. Yeah, what is consciousness? What is awareness? Huh. I don't know. I've heard uh, tell that it's uh, a fraction, a piece, a fragment of the divine. I don't know anything about that. Just kind of parroting that concept back. Mm -hmm. God splitting God's self up to no God's self. Maybe it got boring, you know, just as one being. So. Maybe. Gotta, like mix it up. Self-awareness. And, and so, ultimately, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, can, do, are you self-aware? Do you consider yourself self-aware? Again, we're in a completely tangent world, everybody. Uh, please, <laughs> we're, I'm, I'm going to take this somewhere. Don't worry. <laughs> I certainly seem to be self-aware. Yeah. The, uh, these questions, I swear, I can go... The, I can spend the rest of my life trying to figure them out. And what I'm trying to get at is this. Um, we humans, we could, we could spend the rest of our, li our, our lives, our individual lives, trying to figure out these questions. Like, am I self-aware? You know, who, who, what am I doing here? Who am I, and what's my purpose? Um, I think, I think this is where something like a metaverse economy would fit in quite well, because it would allow a, it would give us a sandbox for us to you know, go out and figure out those questions or not. Or maybe it wouldn't be a sandbox. It'd be more like a hamster wheel. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, I don't try not to limit yourself to humans. You know, mm. that might be uh, a little bit too narrow of a worldview. Uh, humanity might not be a necessary condition for personhood. <sighs> because dolphins and chimps are super yeah. smart as well. Cetaceans, and... apes. Yeah. Cephalopods too. Mm hmm. Octopus, squid, uh, cuttlefish. I've what about, uh, do you have a dog? I do. You think of your dog as a person? <sighs> She's my baby daughter. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it, that's a, uh, it, it, yeah. Well, the problem, here's the thing with animals, though. The, the, the thing with animals is that you and I can make that connection, like, yeah, you know, a dolphin... It can be can be a, a non-human person. A, a chimp can be a non-human person. Um, but but I, I don't know if for the vast majority of other people, you know, could they reconcile that fact? And I argue that unless we're able to, you know, give a drug to these animals that makes them start talking, or or we're able to go and read the minds of the and their thoughts and emotions so that we can discern some some form of language out of that, you know, we won't be able to make a we won't be able to make that distinction. We you know, mind you, <laughs> two things need to happen. That needs to happen, and also in vitro lab grown meat needs to be fully industrialized and ready to take over the world. You know. Mm, yeah, we're working on that. Oh yeah. But what do you think? It's 
the key to this is is compassion. Mm. Try and think of it from from something else's perspective. You know, and, and of course the, the the burden that this would place on like the legal system, for instance, is just I mean it's intractable. That is you know I unfortunately I don't see how that could ever happen. But uh, I'm, I'm, I know that you think in your mind that your dog has rights. Hmm. You know, you, of course, you love your dog. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, what about like an augmented dog or uh, any of these other animals? What about, uh, what about groups of animals? What about like uh, an ant colony? You know what I mean? Or, uh, or a corporation or a family or a religion, a club. You know, is that individual? Does that have a, a mind? Does it have rights? A nation? State? They have that, a hive mind. Is that person? A hive mind? Yeah. But it's not a mind. I mean, that's a clear distinction there. There's a. It's kind of like how we've been having this, we've been wrestling with this in the U.S. for so long where corporations have personhood and they can sue and get sued back and... and the implications for that are huge because they can affect our political system to a degree that I don't think we've ever seen before in human history. Yeah, they don't seem to have much compassion. Yeah, too. And so, yeah, I have, I have no idea. These questions are tough. Um, but is there a solution? Do you think that we might ever come to you a... you got to try. you just got to try. And it's, a, and it's a horrible, horrible burden. It's really, really difficult to do, to consider the, the, the rights and the well-being of every possibly conscious organism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't stop at your dog and the neighborhood cats and the rats. What about the insects? Like the bacteria? Do I really have to look out for every single cellular organism? And the proteins and the viruses? It's like it's too much, you know. You 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 can't like you can't operate day to day with all that compassion. Yeah. So you know we we uh, we shut ourselves down a little bit. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I mean, that there's because there's people. Yeah, there's people out there who love hunting, and I don't hate. I don't. I don't really. I don't really have an opinion. Um, it's but possible to hunt with compassion. I think. I think I agree with that. Yeah. It's just. Uh, yeah, it's just, I, I wonder, it, this is going to be an interesting subject as it evolves through court systems and stuff, because, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I, I think we're overdue for something uh, in terms of, you know, the effect and effectiveness of antibiotics and how, you know, there's 40 billion cows on Earth right now, and they're, for the most part, a cesspool of viruses and bacteria that you know if if once our antibiotics starts failing us how are we going to contain that uh i don't know i don't know I, we we i get to i get to these points where like what i always think about the worst case scenario about things because then you know then i can in my in my head i play around with what is the solution to the worst case scenario of things um and and then i can go to sleep uh, so so uh, let's go back to uh, some of the topics I wanted to talk about today. Um, can can we? Do you, what, what's your take on neuroinformatics? Um, so uh, you mean like brain computer interface? Yeah. Mm, okay. 
well, for one thing, I don't think you want a jack because that's an open wound and that's bad news. <laughs> but an implant, if it were you know completely sealed off, mm-hmm. would be let's say at least more tenable than a, a jack. I can I can't tell you that that would work or not work. Don't know enough about it. I could point you to the fiction books about it. Are you are you one of those people that be uh, early adopter to that a technology like that? Ooh, I don't know. I don't. Th- I, I'm gonna say no. Definitely not an early adopter. But no. uh, how about you know mass market adopter? Well, uh, I don't know if you really want to mess with your body. You know, you don't get like a do over on that, as far as I know. That's a good. That was a good uh, distinction you met there, as far as we know. Um, right. Because then, cause then, how long before we're able to get do-overs? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. The biology field. I'm sure there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. I don't really follow those news sites so much. Synthetic biology is an elephant in the room, I think. Um, yeah, I, I go back to uh, James Blaha. Uh, he was talking about how it's it's going to get to the point where we're going to slow down aging, then we're going to stop it, and then we're going to reverse it. And are you curious, or are you not curious, are you interested in that prospect? Would you want to slow down your aging? Would you want to stop aging? Would you want to reverse your aging? What do you, what do you think? That's an interesting one, because I feel like I don't have nearly enough time in the day, hmm. or the week, or the year. And, you know, if I had suddenly... Uh, thousands of years to pursue all these uh, tech interests. On the face of it, I would be overjoyed. But, you know, then again, if it was an infinite time, after a certain amount, like in in Metamorphosis, don't people, they want to die. They're like, I've had enough of this. There's really, and and it's also compounded by the fact that they really have nothing to do. They, They feel like their life is meaningless because the machine has colonized intergalactic space with computational matter and they just they're just free to screw around all day Mm -hmm. so they can i think they can reproduce right they could have children i think so i don't i don't i think so so that might be one thing that could conceivably make life worth worthwhile hmm yeah but i mean if, if not for that then you know how soon till you've done everything and, well, would we really have an infinite amount of time? Because then I think you're guaranteed to get bored because you would have to do everything. I feel like it's important to have the choice to die. You know? Yeah. You know, I yeah, think, that, I think that, that might be a fundamental uh, right of personhood. Mm-hmm. Because when we get to that, to the point at which we're able to stop aging and, and, and then you can't die naturally, then... Um, then what other right do you have left but that, you know, down to the more fundamental core of it all? Yeah, funny thing is I don't even really know what death is. How do you define it now? Well, cessation of life. I have some vague concept of what that is. Hmm. What's what's after? I have have no idea. Do you have any hypothesis? Hypothesis. It'd be tough to even... (laughs) Verbalize, you know, or even conceptualize it. Yeah. So, it's, but it's non non existence, I guess, is kind of at the 
at the essence of the of the idea. Non, yeah, non-existence in this universe, at least that we know of. Huh? Yeah, that's a that's a big one. What do you think about multi-dimensional, a multi, a multiverse? Actually, you know, what do you think? It doesn't matter to question whether whether we live in a multiverse, whether we live in a single universe, whether we live in a simulation. Do those questions matter in your mind? <laughs> The multiverse is, that one's too hard for me. I can't get my head around that one, morality-wise. I don't understand what that does to morality. Uh, have you heard the, uh, the get-rich-quick scheme for the multiverse? No, tell me about this. You take all your money, you go to the casino, you put it on roulette double zero. Mm -hmm. If you lose, you kill yourself. And then just repeat until you're rich. <laughs> that, uh... That makes weird sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that right. Everything's like out the window with that. I I don't know how to to deal with that. Mm. There's so, an argument, I guess, that on so many, such a vast percentage of those worlds, all your friends and loved ones, you know, you're really putting them through torture. So that's, I guess, that's how you reconcile it. You 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 know, all those people, all many many copies of those people. You know, you're, you're, you're really, you're taking the cost out on them. That's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless they don't exist because it's a simulation. Um, and I oh, have... but if it's a simulation, it still exists. It, it makes no difference. Tell me about this. Let's talk about this. Okay, yeah, the, the guy from uh, the guy from Psychodrome says this. He asks mm -hmm. this sort of, it's like a game show, you know, to the death and all that. And he asks him, hey, how do you know if it's like real or not? And he says, it's always real. You have to treat it as real. Because? Because if you get, you know, if you if you try your best and die anyway and then uh, wake up somewhere, oh, hey, simulation, that's okay, you know, that's fine, you're, you're good. But uh, if you go the other way around and you just sort of frivolously, carelessly uh, throw your life away, you might just end up dead. That's not... Uh, that's not really an acceptable outcome. Is there a good sense? What if? What if? Okay, so what if? What if we were able to prove that it is a simulation? Um, you know, what does that? What does that mean then? You know, does that mean? Does that mean that we now can start asking different types of questions? Like, all right, well, what's on the other side of the simulation? Or, you know, I would certainly be interested to know what's out there, but I'd have to say that it really doesn't mean much to me at all. Hmm. I mean, do, do you have, like, a hot date back in the real world that you have to get to? Are you going to hurry to get out of here? Why not see it through, you know? There's a girl in a red dress waiting for me there. <laughs> right. Well, she'll she'll still be there, you know? Hopefully. Okay. Take your time. Enjoy <laughs> the ride. What's the most, you know, what's the question that you think humanity will will, will wrestle with the most in the next 100 years? Wow, that's a, that's a wide window of future there yeah <laughs> ah, well there, there are a few uh, a few tough ones we're still wrestling with uh, human rights you know yeah we are that's uh, that's proven not to be trivial and uh, and I guess energy and pollution and space I'm not sure if the uh, has the population kind of leveled off it's starting to okay or actually no it's not 
it's going to start leveling off according to a TED Talk I saw, and TED Talks don't lie. Uh, <laughs> what was this, TEDx? Uh, it, I think it was TED, but they were talking about how it's going to start leveling off once we get to one, uh, 11 billion. Um, and, then, and then it'll slow down. But right now, we're reproducing like rabbits. Yeah, who was it who said, uh, you know, might have been Buckminster Fuller? We have enough. Uh, we have enough energy here from the sun mm-hmm. to give everybody everything they need. So let's see to that first, and then we can explore inner and outer space together forever. Inner and outer space. I like that the way he phrased it because there's this space that we don't really think about and it's the inner spaces of our own minds. And I feel like exploring your mind is, I feel like you're, and this might sound like, woo, crazy Chris. Um, This is more like, uh, I feel like your mind is just as infinitely vast as the universe itself in a way. Um, yeah, legend has it that's uh, the case. Hmm. So, what happens then if we have in that scenario where we have, you know, unlimited energy? What What are humans left to do? Let's go see every star. Let's go look at every planet. It'll take a while. Yeah. So, you know, we'll be kept busy in the interim. Are you pro colonial? Uh, Colonialism, colonialism of other planets, yeah. colon- colonizing of other planets. Are you pro that? Well, it's uh, we'd have to we'd have to examine that on a case by case basis. Okay. What kind of indigenous life forms are we displacing? Hmm. You know, is it even possible to 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 guess and evaluate? Are we making their lives better, worse, the same? I don't know. We would have to really. I mean. Yeah, the key is you have to try. You have to collect as much information as possible about it and earnestly set forth to find out is this the case? You gotta be. It's gotta. You gotta be. You know, if you're doing it for profit, uh, probably not moral. Yeah. Of all the technologies that you've read about, that you've uh, learned about through, you know, all the reading that you've done, you know, which oh, one? Fake, fake technologies. Yes, fake technology that could that could happen. You, we never know. Um, people used to say people used to say you know humans are never gonna fly, and then we did. Um, uh, which one? Which one scares you the most? Ooh, which scares me the most. Ah, you know, it's not the it's not the tech that's scary. Hmm. It's the force behind it and that's really a, a reflection of us yeah but uh, you know like uh, take uh, take Nexus for instance Ramez Nam it's a trilogy the last one just came out mm-hmm. that one's really ultra violent has a lot of really disturbing violence in it like horrible innocence being you know machine gun down while everybody's you know, linked by these psychic nanobots and they're all feeling each other's pain. It's like really terrible stuff. Wow. And it's done basically in the name of, uh, of anti-terrorism. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it, and it's 
painted as a, a gross overreaction. Mm-hmm. But you know that's that's a use of power. That's I mean it was designed to uh, to protect us. But sort of in in this this overzealous uh, kind of self reinforcing, I guess like a hive mind mentality that some, that sometimes groups in power tend to have when they when they overact and overreact. It ends up going too far and causing more harm than it would have done good. No. That I find, yeah, that's that's scary. It's, it's terrifying. Yeah, because you could be on the, um, the the bad side of the hive mind, and oh yeah, well you said bad, but remember that the right. actors visiting this horrendous violence on these, uh, I will say innocent, but of course. They're not innocent in the minds of those actors. Mm-hmm. Those actors are acting in the most moral way that they that they know. They're doing what they perceive to be the most right thing. No. Yeah, that's. Um, it reminds me of um, you know some of the experience, some experiments people used to do with with. Uh, I can't. I don't know if it was at Stanford, but I think they were. Um, electrocuting people uh, yeah was that milgram's experiment i think so stanley milgram yeah that that one was terrifying too yeah 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 i don't know the guy in the coat just told me to uh, press the button so you know so i did it yeah and i gave uh, an electric shock to the person on the other room it's um it's it, it is kind of terrifying because people human being human beings can get, can get manipulated and hijacked so easily um in a lot of us don't want to think. They don't want to think about this. It's too hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, that's... Hmm, that is a... That's a fault in humanity, isn't it? And also, it's a double-edged sword in a way, because we, we're like... We, we, we're lazy. I'm lazy as fuck. Yeah, and it's self-preservation. You think too much about it, you never get to sleep at night. Exactly. Yeah. I sleep well, just so you know. I think about these things, but I sleep well. Um, thank Good. you, Weed. So then, uh, uh, the thing is, it's it's kind of insane just thinking about these things. Um, but virtual reality, because this is enter VR after all. Um, you know, is there a, you know, do, when you see virtual reality, do you see solutions to the world's problems? Or do you see just another piece of tech that will distract us and, you know, continue on the cycle of apathy i see an amplifier hmm. i think uh almost every piece of tech might be you could maybe categorize it that way yeah you can take uh sense impressions and you can color them with emotions and when you're you're strapped in and immersed in it it really can feel big yeah. you know you could you could lose yourself in that and that's both, you know, a danger and a thrill. I guess. I guess any thrill has danger, kind of, you know, as part of that. No. What's the What's the ultimate price to pay for this danger? Do you think? Fine, fine edge there. You could You could abdicate, give away all your freedom to when you put on that. VR headset. If you say, just you know what, just plug me into uh, the live stream of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and just you know, turn me off. Like I don't really care. Just keep it streaming. 
And whatever they, whatever anybody who's in control of this wants to tell you, and it's more than even just telling you, it wants to immerse you in, wants to make your reality for a while. That's they, that's their choice, and you've given away all your choice. But then conversely, if you decide, no, 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 I want to retain full choice. I want to make sure that I have total control over my headset and my computer rig. And I want to make sure that I only run the programs that I want to run. Then you have arguably even more control over your life and yourself. Hmm. So it's a, it's a spectrum here, and we don't know where we're going to fall on, huh? Uh, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You make you can make your own choice, and then you can you can change your mind as often as you want. <clears throat> which which one do you think is going to be the worst offender? Is it going to be large corporations or or governments? Well, huh, large corporations are uh, remember they have a fiduciary duty to the shareholders, hmm. so profit is is the motive. Hmm. You know, it's not to help you out. It's to make money. Governments, I think, uh, somewhere in that uh, in the charter is uh, they're supposed to exist to well to keep order. You know, for one thing, to keep us from you know strangling each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's also supposed to be some kind of guidance, uh, maybe that uh, government, some kind of uh, you know they rein in the corporate interest a little bit uh, to control things like pollution so that in the single-minded pursuit of profit you know the world doesn't get completely trampled mm-hmm. because it could be a win-win you know i think with 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 the right guidance or maybe 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 it's, it's an individual like a leader's prerogative to take it to a place where everybody benefits you make something beautiful and uh you know provide it for a fair price and uh and it's enjoyed and it, and it helps everybody out. It could happen. It does happen. It does. It does. And, yeah, I, it's going to be, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this, all, all of it evolves. You know, how do governments adapt to the changes of the 21st century? How do mm, technology companies and just companies in general adapt? How do, yeah. how do people adapt to the changes that are going to start happening? Like, for example, procedural storytelling. On the image that you shared, I think it's research from. I'm gonna give her credit or him. Uh, oh, this was a Reddit. Was the the, uh, the the colored graph of future tech? Yeah, by Michelle. Yeah, this Zappa. is this is uh, Reddit user New York Knights from oh, the cool. R Futurology subreddit. Very nice. Uh, yeah, her name uh, Michelle Zappa. Um, so that yeah, that was a super cool. It's a really super. It's a really nice uh, infographic. Dare I say and. Uh, yeah. It gave me uh, it gave me some good points to bring up, like like I said earlier, procedural storytelling. Um, you know, what do you think about that? You know, because my impression is right now where people like Lear Synod who have done Crashland and, and Ocean Rift are using procedural systems to render out random, almost seemingly infinite environments. You know, uh, Ocean Rift. Let me give just a brief. Yes, that was also one of my favorites. Yeah, that's that a good shark one. Maybe so so there so we're able to do environments right now and according to this image we're going to be able to do storytelling by 2020 like procedural storytelling meaning the 
the computer, the machine is going to tell the story uh, for us? Uh, I, I have maybe an unpopular viewpoint in regards to uh, storytelling and agency specifically. Uh, I think Ebert was right. The, the oversimplified quote was that games are not art. And that's, I mean, obviously patently untrue. I mean, they contain art at the very least. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you look at a movie versus uh, a game, you know, they, we have these hybrids and like they, they kind of work. I mean, they're certainly entertaining. But uh, for me, I prefer the film medium for stories because it takes that agency completely away. And in VR, you have to have at least the agency to be able to move your head around. Because, mm. I mean, I'm not going to strap myself into some robot arm that's going to immobilize my head. Well, like, that seems like a really bad idea. It's really unsafe. <laughs> so I have to have at least that, that agency. You know? And if you're playing some first-person character, what if you decide to just turn around? You know, it's it's tough to mix agency with storytelling. Because what if I just want to opt out entirely and move to the country and just start farming, you know, and, and live my life in solitude? Like, is, did you build that into your story? It's, it's not a story anymore. Now it's just life. I'm just living. I'm living it. I see what you're saying. So, yeah, I think that agency and story are kind of at odds. I prefer games as sport. Games as sport? Yeah. I.e. Battlefield, Bad Company 2. How dare you? How dare you? It's been you? a while, but yeah, I, that, 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 is, that game rocks. You've got to play, play against other people. The other people in there are what make it, to me, worthwhile. I've spent at least 400 hours playing that game. Uh, That's it? <laughs> I wish I had spent more, um, but I was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it, 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 it got me through a couple of years of college, <laughs> not having friends. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I heard you say awesome, you're though. playing with your grandpa. I do, I do. That I, is I, so cool. Yeah, he rocks. He's a great, really good sniper. Um, and the best thing about playing with friends is in family is you have, you know, you, you get co-op. You get you get to, like, coordinate with people. And, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. Yeah, squads of four is, like, just the right size. I wish we had a little bit more, like maybe eight, you know, just oh, yeah? double okay. it a little bit more. I feel like, because uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I wish I could have more, more of my friends in there. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, four is a good size because you can all be talking at once and you can still kind of make sense of it. Yeah. Bad Company 2, why do you like that game so much? You know, aside oh, God, from the call. Jump into any vehicle, shoot yeah. any gun. It's so awesome. It's just so fun. What do you think about the Battlefield franchise right now? Uh, yeah, I tried BF3 for a little while, and it was, you know, definitely good. I mean, I could tell that it was, I guess, a higher budget, you know, production. But, it, like, it didn't have the juice for me, you know. Mm-hmm. It didn't, mm-hmm. like, it didn't hit the spot, and I fell off, and I haven't played since. But, uh, man, Battlefield, like, jump, jumping out of that chopper. In fact, no, I can tell you exactly what's missing. It's the AT4 that's missing. The one that has the anti-aerial capabilities it's well it's the rocket that you can guide after it's fly by wire so you fire it and then when you change your view oh. you can look left and the rocket turns left yeah, yeah, yeah so you could sneak this thing through a house and like around the island and up under the dock and then slam right into that chopper oh man that oh, that's good yeah i've had some amazing moments but the 
the thing that I was expecting out of Battlefield 3 was more destructible environments. I, you know, I felt like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, we walk from Bad Company 2 to ba Battlefield 3, um, and you're expecting scale, larger, bigger buildings exploding, just just giant, you know, environments shifting beneath you, and you know, you, you don't really get that. Um, yeah, I miss Eureka Harbor. I miss Val. Yeah. Really well designed. Dice has a really good, um, uh, how do you say, level design team. You know? Oh, well, I'm sure it's like the best, right? They're yeah. kind of number one game house at this point. Yeah, yeah but from some perspective, definitely, definitely subject. I feel like it's definitely subjective because it's you're gonna get Call of Duty people. Oh, right, Call of Duty. Okay, so yes, one of two. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, but but I my loyalty to Battlefield goes back to PC. Battlefield, bat, uh, Battlefield Two, um, those were some good old days too. I don't know if you got to experience. Uh, I those. came in at BC Two. Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff. What other games do you like to play? Uh, I was a serial game monogamist, so put a lot of hours into probably Soul Caliber before for that one. Nice. And then before that, it was in sixty four Golden Eye. Nice. And then, uh, let's see, uh, did, a, did a bunch of uh, Left 4 Dead for a while. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. Do you have a favorite game of all time? Is it Battlefield? Or what's your favorite game of all time? Favorite game of all time. Well, if you went by most hours, it, I'm thinking it'd probably be Soul Calibur or Goldeneye. Nice. Soul yeah, Calibur. I guess I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Goldeneye. It could probably use a like a reskinning, a reboot at this point, you know. Of all the of all the fighting games uh, that were around that time, it was I was going back and forth between Tekken and Soul Calibur. I, I could never get into Street Fighter. I, in fact, I still can't, and I get my ass whooped constantly every time I try to play <laughs> some Street Fighter. Man, well, you gotta expect some of that. Yeah, but but Tekken, man. I used to use uh, Warang, the the Taekwondo guy, um, really good. And then Soul Calibur Two, I was a, a fanboy, so I'd use Link. Um, ah, okay. Because it came out for the GameCube and it had that. Yeah, that's the only reason why I got the game actually, because I saw Link on the box and I was like, "Holy crap, I must get it!" <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a really excellent, uh, just highly polished game. Yeah, Soul Calibur on Dreamcast was like there wasn't a. Uh, there wasn't a single thing like wrong with it, you know. It's mm. just like perfect, seemed in every regard. You, I wonder how is the fighting game genre going to evolve, you know, in the future? Like, how is that? Um, how can they make it better? You know. You know what I noticed? There's no online fighting games. I think it's because ping time kills it. Huh. As you know, the ping time is yeah. the uh, chief indicator of your uh, quality of experience in an online game. And, I mean, if you find, like, a server with uh, 11, 12 ping, like, you're in there, you know, right away. Oh, well, of course, I'm sorting by the full servers. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you had, let's say, an 11 millisecond round trip time on a fighting game, that's going to, like, screw the whole mechanics up. You know, like, a single frame in, in, in Street Fighter at 60 FPS is, is the diff it makes or breaks the fight. Hmm. So that we're talking about, uh, what is that, 16 milliseconds or 8 for 60 FPS. Is that right? Sixteen, and that's like that. that's that's too much. Right, it's too much. What do you think? So, wait, so then, uh, well, how do games like 
Counter Strike pull? You know, do they do they just motion prediction? Um, okay. Yeah, with like with with uh, fighting games, it's, you're kind of naturally twitchy. Sometimes you even want to intentionally twitch to do a feint and and you know induce uh, get the other get your opponent thinking you're going to do something when you do something else. Mm-hmm. So you think online is is the next thing that fighting games could should should get right? Oh, I know it's never going to happen. Really? Why? Because of the speed of light. Huh. That is an immutable constant as far as we know right now. Yeah. And it takes, uh, what's it, seven times around the Earth in a second. So that means if you're playing someone opposite you in the planet, you've got one-seventh, about uh, 140 milliseconds ping time. That is humongous. Humongous. Even across the nation. I'm in Boston. You're in San Francisco. The ping time is never going to work. Yeah. It's too much. Huh. So there is still value in physical proximity. And as and as far as I can see, into the distant future, that will continue to be the case. Interesting. That Yeah, that is going to be... Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't even think about that. But that's... Uh, but I guess that's a big deal, huh? It even applies to things like chip design. Mm-hmm. Microchips, like you got to move this data around. You want it to be nice and close. Huh. Let's go back to the list. Um, yeah. Because I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on something that um, by 2025-ish, they're, uh, the author is predicting that we're going to have VR-only, virtual reality-only life forms. Oh, uh, okay. What does that mean? Well, I think uh, he's talking about uh, like a pure data life form, like a... Uh, Tim Conway's Game of Life, you know, is maybe like a very, very rudimentary version of this. Hmm. But a, um, a, a, so it'd be nothing but data. And it has to exist in some kind of uh, world, like, you know, a substrate, something for it to, to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that world has to evolve in time. We say where, you know, it's, time has to pass and things have to happen. And then it changes. So I, I'm not sure that really, I think VR is kind of a non sequitur here because you could take the headset off and that life form is still uh, evolving on your computer. It's still living there. It's still asking itself the questions, you know, why am I here and uh, what should I be doing, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. That is very existential <laughs> to think about that there's, that, you know, that we... And you think that's possible? The, the VR only, you know, data database life forms. Like, how do you? Well, that's uh, well, that's AI, I guess, minus the I. So just artificial life, huh? Digi- digital life, Digi- digital life, like pure pure data. Sure. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, this whole the whole section around metamorphosis of prime intellect. These are all they all concern what I would I guess call personality upload. You know, where you take a uh, say a human being, and then there's a machine that'll deconstruct that human atom by atom. Probably it'd have to be pretty quickly to, so as not to kill the subject. Mm. But then, you know, logs the placement of all those and then uh, also the state of all your, you know, synapses firing at the time. And then builds it all back up in a, a simulation on a computer somewhere, or I guess a bunch of computers. And then... Uh, the idea is that person would wake up inside of the simulation, now not having a physical body. But then again, they do because it's simulated. Hmm. 
Huh. Is that so, the... Is so, it, go ahead. So what's the difference? I guess... Uh, I don't know, I guess it takes possibly a lot less space because this is all kind of jammed into these these chips or some other computing substrate. So you could pack, let's say, a lot more people into the same space if you just had a solar panel powering a bunch of these chips rather than, you know, physical atoms everywhere and, and, and air and dirt and trees and, and power all for all that. Hmm. Are you Are you more optimistic or pessimistic about the future in general? Uh, gotta be optimistic. Otherwise, why are we here? Yeah. Yeah, hope. You gotta have hope. Hope keeps life alive. I agree. I, I think that's the last... That's the last... That's the only thing you can't lose. <laughs> yeah. You know, because otherwise then everything if becomes... If you do, talk to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it's... Because um, that's all we have, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. Is... Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy if it gets, like, just a little better. And really, as long as I've been here, it's gotten, it, I say, much better in terms of tech, much better. Oh yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah. I mean, this conversation would have cost a lot of money, you know, back in nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, can you believe this is free? I'm not paying for this. Yeah, <laughs> it's that, pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Well, are you, you know, what about machine augmented cognition? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So the exocortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're well, we're kind of looking at one right now. With... I'm at my computer terminal, you know, looking at this force-directed graph. I've got internet access here, all kinds of data just at my fingertips. It's pretty great. So uh, the next uh, step is, uh, you know, put it on your head, and we we pretty much got that. You know, you can get a Gear VR. The tricky part is uh, is input, and of course we know that input's hard, but I mean even beyond like a perfectly tracked hand with like all the force feedback that you can imagine and just perfect. I wonder- still, you gotta like, there's, I would like a more intimate, uh, a more, a higher bandwidth way to get these ideas out from the inside of the head and then out onto the computer where they can then be pushed anywhere. If we're just talking about intelligence though, I wonder if just just human intelligence um, itself. I wonder if there, you know, the two, the, if there could be two approaches here: the synthetic biology approach and the technology hardware approach. Um, and I wonder. I have both. I wonder which one would be better, though. Like which one? Oh, would you... they should go hand in hand. Really? Why not? What if they, you can't reconcile the synthetic biology? With the technology ones. Oh, are you, are you anticipating problems in this domain? Uh, I don't know. Would there be? Do you think that there be problems between synthetic biology and everybody everybody else? Uh, synthetic biology, meaning like regrowing new limbs, that kind of thing, or yeah, more like a bigger re- brain, you know, more more brain tissue. Yeah. So, like, you take uh, you know a pill or a shot or something, and your head just like expands. And you get smarter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, so then you need you know, to adjust your strap, I guess, to put your exocortex back on and then have that still be augmented by computers and network connection. Would that be a human still? If, if, if you could do that, if all of, you know, how much intelligent could you get, you know, and at what point yeah, are you not? Tr- transhuman, posthuman, 
Hmm. There's a there's a line at the end of the Where Tetralogy, which is one I like a lot. Our 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 hero cop, who's been through a number of bodies at this point, it's kind of a throwaway line, and they say like, oh, you know, oh yeah, but but for humans, and they're sort of insinuating that he's not human, and he says, I am human, damn it. Hmm. Well, how do you think we as a society were going to wrestle with the ideas of post-humanism or transhumanism or, or how do we, you know, when the first, and I've seen articles here and there where like a guy who was wearing a robotic eye somewhere. Steve Mann got beaten up in France, right? In yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do we, how does that, how is this relationship going to evolve between, you know, people who aren't augmented and people who, yeah. who are. You, you can, it's you can help it out personally by uh, by being nice, you know, be kind. Yeah. Don't uh, try not try not to be argumentative. Definitely try not to shove it in people's face. You know, be 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 extra kind because it, this may scare people. This may frighten them horribly. How do you make people not scared? Oh yeah, how do you do that? Uh, there's some uh, there's some fear mitigating techniques in VR, right? Like you can you can, I think you can do exposure in in small degrees. You can dilute it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can show them just like a little bit of something, just a picture of a spider, you know. And then you can have uh, an animated picture of a spider, and then maybe you're looking at a dead spider under glass. Then maybe you got the VR headset on, and you're you know you're in a, you're looking at a spider on the desk. Then it's on your hand. Then you're submerged in them, and then you feel all right. Do you think VR runs the risk of being a an industry, a technology that might get regulated by the overall society because they can't understand the advancements and acceleration that it's going through? Regulated. Okay. Well, uh, what are the details of these regulations? For example, you are not allowed to uh, congregate with more than ten people and talk about. I don't know. I really don't know how. Yeah, that's because that's it, a tough one. it would hinge on what you know. It would hinge on what happened to the first person who died. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's that. There's still that event to look forward to. Yeah. I think a, a fundamental freedom that I want to make sure that we. I don't know. Well. I'll do what I can to make sure we always have is the ability to run any code that you want on your computing hardware. Hmm. Connected to VR or not, this is a very, very important fundamental right. Because that is the knife's edge between enablement and, and freedom versus you know horrible oppression. Yeah. So that's one that I want to make sure that we uh, that we that we fight for if we have to. Yeah. Well, yeah, fight. What does that mean? Okay, <laughs> there are going to be limits to what I'm going to be able to do. But at least call your congressman. Yeah. Because uh, that is that is that's 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 a chain link. That's a that's a that's a chain link fence when you're trying to you know, tell people what they can or cannot code, right? Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a it's a basic human freedom. I mean, I'll. Saint Stallman opened up our eyes to that one hmm. years ago. How? Uh, the GNU Foundation. Richard Stallman, I'm talking about, by the way. I consider him a saint. <laughs> Please uh, expand and enlighten me here. Okay, well, he's the guy who uh, who 
who pushes for this very freedom. He's got a, a, just a ton of uh, ton of good stuff you can read online. Uh, he wrote the GPL, the license, uh, big, a big, uh, big figure in open source. Wrote a lot of the GNU user land that sits on top of Linux. So a lot of the programs that make it usable. Mm-hmm. Uh, done a, a really big boon for humanity, I think. That's awesome. I feel like I've heard that name before being bounced around. Um, I guess it's, uh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, He's one heck of a guy. Nice. Um, what about moving on to uh, others, another topic? Uh, the idea of uh, nanomachines and swarm robots. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Like, is that a possibility? You know, what are the there are some pretty neat books about it. There's the Nexus series. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a really cool one called uh, the Atopia Chronicles. This one follows... Uh, uh, there's a floating uh, a city where they, I guess, invented these things and they unleashed them on a small class of, of kids who grow up with this ability. Mm-hmm. And they have some pretty awesome transhuman abilities uh, that they can do. Uh, with the, so, so they're plugged into the net like at all times. You know, they have these. They call them smarticles. Uh, just get them into your bloodstream. They're just like in the air in this city. They're everywhere. So it's just AR all the time. You know, skin skin the world, whatever you want to see and and hear and feel. Pretty much, you can you can do that. You can sense that. And uh, they're always they're always on the net, so they can you know communicate with one another with anybody who's who's connected. They can also do this thing they call splintering, which is pretty neat. They break off a portion of their awareness to eat dinner with their family that they consider boring. A yes, mom. Oh, my day was good, mom. How was your day? While like 95% of their cognitive ability is off playing a game or something somewhere. That's insane. Yeah, they could do this multiple times if they need to, you know, if they need uh, to, to team up with themselves, basically. And you know, they need a few a few people doing certain tasks at a given time, they can have multiple splinters. So one guy had so many splinters, he, uh, he lost himself. Of all, of all the fake technologies that you've, um, you've, you've, you've read through, um, you know, which one do you find the most believable? Um, and, and not virtual reality. Cause it's, that's happening. <laughs> um, but yeah. Most believable. I guess these are all kind of believable if you you know want to yeah. make the leap. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the this the, the, the what makes a good sci-fi book is that the author has thought about these things in depth, uh, created again this course you know story and and uh, writing style is also a big part of that and kind of orthogonal to it in a way. But you know they they thought it through and they've made this plot that. Uh, either centers around uh, the inception of this thing, or sometimes it's even cooler when they just kind of nonchalantly mention, oh yeah, you know, I'm doing this thing, I'm splintering off here, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just uh, doing these uh, these crazy uh, these crazy tasks with this technology, but it's in the service of, like, some other timeless story that's happening, some kind of, uh, you know, conflict or coming of age or, like, a, a courtship, some sort of, something, something human that we, something familiar. Hmm. Yeah, there. I, I think it was uh, Blair Blair Renault who said um, a good science fiction story is one that makes you think it's not science fiction or something like that. Where 
um, where it, where it feels so believable that it's like you know, but but then um, yeah, you lose yourself in that world. Yeah, yeah. Are you at all planning on writing on a science fiction novel someday? Is that something that you might be considering? I don't think so. No, it's not in you. Sounds like it'd be fun. Also, sounds like it would take a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. Time is so precious. Time is precious. Speaking of time, uh, what do you think about in twenty twenty five? According to the graph or the image, um, we might have a reputation based economy. Oh yeah, this is a good one. Demon and freedom are all about that. This is, uh, I think, a, a really pretty cool thing. I, I don't know if the, uh, the the scale of the number of people involved make that untenable because like in, on amazon now if you go and look at a review of something mm-hmm. there's like a, just a ton of reviews i mean you're not gonna like sit there and read through all those mm-hmm. that's that's impossible mm-hmm. but maybe if you you know in in uh in freedom the book there were uh smaller self-contained communities where this this kind of thing could work like a lot better you know self-sufficient sort of uh self-powered by a river somewhere and is it with a with a smaller community? It and it has been working. It's how, that's sort of how it's always worked, just by word of mouth. Hmm. But now that your internet connected, you could do things like export, you know, across the world. Your your particular unique handicrafts, whatever it is that you do. And that's pretty cool. Why? Yeah, reputation. It's like a, the web of trust. You know, mm-hmm. it's very. Uh, it's a, it's a powerful concept. It's, it's also decentralizing. It is. If we can do something like uh, like Bitcoin and uh, you know send uh, send money to each other that way, I don't know if that would upset power structures. I don't know if people will get get mad about that. Um, I think they would. <laughs> Maybe they would because you're not you're not using their their, their toy. You're not using their thing. You're, you're I don't think Bank of thing. America is too happy about Bitcoin. I don't think so either, um, but uh, hopefully, well, Bitcoin is not; it has been on decline for the last year or so, though. That's um, uh, in usage, in price. Okay, the price, yeah, is, that's definitely leveling out. Okay, um, but what do you think the future? Of Bit, are you in, in Bitcoin by any chance? Are you? No, not bought in. Okay, uh, never used it. Uh, the, the tech, it escapes me. I've tried, you know, to understand this, uh, and I feel like I've almost once or twice, oh, it's just like tantalizingly close to understanding how this, how this works. And then, and nope, lost it. Don't, I don't get it. Is, is that a, is that a, isn't that a, a flaw with Bitcoin? The, the fact that it's hard to understand and most people just don't want to deal with that. They just want to use it. They don't want to know whether, how it works and arguably, yes, that is a flaw. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if that's, I mean, that's, that's the tech. That's how it, that's how it works. It has to work how it works. Uh, you can't simplify it past, you know, a certain point and have it still be comprehensible. So maybe, you know, one day if this were, imagine if this were, let's say, taught in school and you learned about cryptographic hashes in kindergarten and one way functions and uh, maybe then it would make sense to you by high school hopefully yeah that'd be cool but going back to the reputation based economy that is interesting because 
you know, what is, you know, what is, you know, what is value then, you know, commodities, like physical goods, how, how do they, you know, how do they get priced, you know, in, in a, in a reputation based economy? What are we exchanging in a reputation based economy? These things are, I don't know, it's kind of slippery concepts for me to grasp. Well, the reputation is like metadata. Mm-hmm. That's a record of, let's say you having had this transaction with somebody and you say, yes, it went well. I got exactly what, uh, what I asked for. I got my money's worth. You know, everything worked out great. Versus, you know, with this other person that did not work out and therefore got to ding them on the rep. And so, you know, heads up next time you, you want to deal with this person. Yeah. It reminds me of a um, of a, of an article I just saw in the Onion, where we're all like, we're, it's it's hilarious. Um, I'm I'm gonna look it up really quick because it's one of those where you it just, especially for me, it speaks volumes. Uh, especially, don't you like it when you you get made fun of? It's it's pretty awesome, um, or you feel like it's it, it it you can relate to to the joke for sure. Um, no, I can't find it, um, but. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious how it's it, it, it's poking fun at the fact that we're in this internet-based economy where um, we're looking for or we're measuring our worth through Twitter followers. And, Denny's is just a and that is American tradition. I was born next to a Denny's family breakfast. One second, junior prom. I couldn't get Denny's out of my head. I- Damn it, the onion! What the fuck? <laughs> Why are you giving me commercials right now? I'm looking for this article, but it's it's kind of stupid. Never mind, I'll leave it. Um, but yeah, um, uh, it's I don't know. The reputation thing economy is a bit slippery for me. Um, but I but I but I'm ready for something else. You know, I don't know if the capitalistic system that we're under today is you know adapting. Uh, what, what I like about this reputation-based thing is the accountability, uh, and that may be that may be scary. That everything that you do is on record all the time, but it, it's all it's worth asking: who has access to that record? Yeah. Is this just strictly like a government thing, or can everybody look up what everybody's done? Can everybody see the crimes you've done and have evaluate? Has this person uh, have you rehabilitated? You know, are your, is your head back on straight again, or are you you know? You still need help. Yeah, especially when they find out that I used to put firecrackers on dog poop and let them light them up, <laughs> and then I would watch the poop just splat everywhere. The dog poop, and then one time I was with my cousin, and we were and we were lighting up the firecracker, and then I pushed them towards the explosion, and he got splattered with shit everywhere, and I felt so oh, bad man. for him. I feel so bad for them. If you're listening, Kevin, I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> I was only 12, um, but I am a monster. I repent. Um, but yeah, so so things like that, I feel like I should, you know, keep, keep to myself. <laughs> well, you know, the penance is supposed to feel good. Do you feel a burden lifted there? Well, yeah, sort of. But but you know, but then but then we should we should draw lines, right? You know, I, I, people like General Butt shouldn't just you know tell the world hey i'm i'm religious now i you know i yeah, forget all the babies and you know children's hearts that i ate you know i, I don't know it, it sh- there should be some sort yeah, of we, line still we, we gotta coexist here you know and we'll, we'll do stupid things i expect that to continue 
have you ever done uh have you ever not eaten children heart but like uh, have you ever <laughs> put firecrackers on dog on dog poop i uh, never thought to do that no dude it's awesome <laughs> i'm not gonna lie it's, it's, a, it's a rush <laughs> maybe i'll get a face shield uh, this weekend <laughs> put, put a, a slow motion camera and watch it and just watch the dog poop explode um Listen, Jim, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm having I had a lot of fun, but I, I think we're going to leave it at this high note. Because <laughs> we can, the, the, the thing is, the future can be really dark. It can be really dark, really fast, you know, because we don't know. Yeah. And so in my mind, because I'm, a, I'm an eternal, I, I don't know if the word is correct, nihilist, uh, or I'm, a, uh, I, I'm always going to find the worst case scenarios. Um, it could be light, too. It could be, it could be paradise for all of it us. It could be. We could do it. It's possible. It is possible. Please, please paint the picture to me. Like, what would the a, a what would a utopia look like in the future with with everything that you know? Like, what would that what would that look like? At least for you, you know. You know what it looks like? Picture, hmm. picture the world as it is right now, and then every day it just gets a little better. You know what I mean? We fix that pothole. You fix that broken door. The grat. You put a little. Uh, little vitamin a little plant food on the grass you know what i mean you you let the uh you clean up a little bit of pollution you let the forest grow a little bit a little bit thicker you give people cleaner water and and healthier food you expose them to more to more books i guess hmm. to more knowledge more information the internet access gets cheaper the computers get cheaper and the materials that are used to construct them are maybe recycled a bit more. Maybe they're a bit less toxic. Maybe we travel a little bit less. Maybe we travel a little bit faster. You know, maybe there's a little bit less hate crime. Maybe there's a little bit more joy. Just every day, better. I'll just leave it at that. That was awesome. Um, and yeah, I'll just, uh, you know, how, how can people stay in touch? How can people follow what you're doing and all that good stuff? If they want. Oh, uh, yeah, post something on our Oculus. I'm there like every 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> I'll see you there in a bit. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Cool. Well, Jim, you, uh, you're a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. I'm sure you already knew that. Um, but you uh, It feels kind of lofty for me. Can, we, can I just be friend of virtual reality? <laughs> Well, okay, but I, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to indulge me in the title because you are okay. a scholar. You you are most definitely a scholar here. I mean, he, he, I, you make me look bad, and I like that. So 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 so. so, so, so I don't think you look bad. I, oh no, um, we should play Battlefield though one day. I, I look forward to that. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna yeah, take you up on and that. Thanks for the talk. I always appreciate your honesty. It's really, uh, it's really you know endearing, and uh, it gives me hope. Thank you. It's a problem. I'm not going to lie. I don't have a filter, um, but I'm going to use this uh, lack of filter to uh, become the world's first trillionaire and redistribute wealth. Uh, I like it. And I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it. It's your, it's your competitive advantage. Luckily, you're a good guy, so leave the filter off. Thank you. All right. Well, there you go. Have a good night. You too, Chris. Thanks a lot.